But tonight I'm going to be preaching from Genesis, so Genesis chapter 1, and just the first two verses of that chapter. So if you haven't turned there already, I invite you to turn with me there at this time. Hear now the reading of God's holy, inerrant word. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep, and the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. So far, the reading of God's holy, inerrant word. Dear holy and almighty God, we come to thee once again this evening hour, thankful for this holy word that thou hast given unto us. We pray that thou wilt be with Pastor Coy to deliver thy message and that we can take it to wherever we go and live our lives that are pleasing to thee and spread the word to those that we come in contact with. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Obviously, the passage here is the very start of the Bible, Genesis, uh, the book of beginnings. Uh, And I'm sure you've had many beginnings in your life, whether you're young or old or somewhere in between. Um, Life has many beginnings. This uh, fall, of course, you think of school starting, there's uh, teachers getting ready, there's students getting ready for the beginning of a new school year. But obviously what we have here in the text before us, the very opening words of the Bible, uh, we have the beginning of creation. Uh, We have one who always has been and always will be, uh, that is the Lord God, the creator of the heavens and earth. And so the Bible is telling us something here that's vitally important for us in these opening words. In the beginning, Uh, God created the heavens and the earth. It's telling us who God is, uh, what he's done, uh, and how different he is from the created order. Uh, God is in the beginning. He's eternal. He's self-sustaining. He's one God in three persons. He creates out of nothing. Uh, We can learn much, and we ought to learn much, just from these opening Two verses of the Bible. Well, the name Genesis really means beginnings or, or origins. Uh, and so the Hebrew word uh, in, the, in the beginning, of course, is rightly translated. And uh, Genesis is full of beginnings. Uh, the beginning of the earth, the first man, first woman, fall into sin. Uh, we have later uh, the flood narrative of Noah, uh, the recreation uh, scene where the waters recede. We have the story of uh, Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Many beginnings. But here in the first three chapters specifically, we have the creation of the world, the universe, light, water, land, uh, animals in the sky, animals in the sea, and animals on land, and then of course, Adam and Eve, and then later, the fall into sin, and later then, the Tower of Babel. So it's an important book, obviously, the the very beginning of the Bible, Genesis, and I'd argue if we don't understand the first three chapters of Genesis, we can run into a great deal of trouble. Uh, For if we don't understand who God is and what he's uh, has for us to do and what we're commanded to do, 
in who we are, if we don't see him as he is the creator and we the creature, we can run into all kinds of trouble later on in understanding the Bible. One writer said this about these first two chapters in Genesis. It says, It announces God's historical act and claim upon all of reality. This idea that in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth has that much power. Uh, that it's a historical act and claim upon all of reality. And so this is God's story. It's about him first of all, as another writer said. Uh, and yet in it we find ourselves as creatures and we should find ourselves as creatures who worship this great creator. Well, I want us to look this evening at three points. First of all, uh, the, the first point I want us to think about is the Bible as it relates to the beginning. Uh, secondly, God in the beginning. And thirdly, creation in the beginning. So first of all, the, the Bible in the beginning. We have to start right where we begin, and that's with the Bible. What is the Bible? Well, most of us here know and take for granted that it is the 66 books that we find in the Old and New Testament. That's the inspired word of God, uh, that he's given it to us to reveal himself to us, to know uh, what we are to do concerning him and how we are to live. Uh, it shows us how we are to live, and it is breathed out by God, as Paul would say to Timothy in 2 Timothy 3.16, that all Scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be complete, equipped for every good work. And so Paul says there to Timothy that it's not just the Old Testament, or it's not just the New, it's all of the Bible, all 66 books uh, that are complete and that can equip us for every good work, teaching and training us for righteousness in both the Old and the New Testament. Our catechism uh, asks what the Bible principally teaches, and the answer that is given is this. It says, uh, what man is to believe concerning God and what duty God requires of man. And so... The very word of God tells us what we are to believe about God and how we are to respond to him and how we are to live out our lives. See, we're not autonomous uh, beings that can just choose what we want to do. No, we're creatures created in the image of God and called to follow and obey his commands. Well, who wrote the book of Genesis? Well, uh, it's widely believed and held to, of course, that Moses wrote the book of Genesis, not only the book of Genesis, but the first five books of the Old Testament. In fact, Jesus uh, concurs with this statement, uh, this idea. In fact, his teaching on the Old Testament in Luke 24, verses 25 and 27, he says this. He said to them, O foolish ones and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And then, verse 27, And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. And Jesus has already gone to the cross at this point. He's resurrected. He's on the road to Emmaus. And he's teaching uh, these disciples there on the road to Emmaus. And he says, uh, Everything that is found in the Old Testament is about me. And he spe specifies these three categories, beginning with the Moses and all the prophets. 
Then, of course, the other one would be uh, the law. And so he says, with Moses, Moses being these first five books of the Bible. And so uh, we see that Jesus himself understood Moses to be the author, uh, divinely inspired by the Holy Spirit to write the book of Genesis. And Moses did so uh, in a hostile environment. Remember, Moses comes out of Egypt, brings his people into the desert, and is leading him towards the promised land. Well, the Egyptians, of course, had a very different view about who the gods were. They didn't believe in one true God. They believed in many gods, and those gods were often objects of uh, creation. And their objects of worship were that of the created order, the sun, the moon, the rivers, the animals. And Moses is saying, people of God, listen, that's not how it is. God is holy. He's other than. He's not a created object or being. He's uh, one who has always been and always will be. In fact, he spoke and the world came into being. And so one writer says this, he says, we, we know about God, about creation, and about ourselves, and about salvation, and it begins in Genesis. It provides the theological pillars on which the rest of the Bible stand. And so these opening words in this opening book are vitally important to understanding the rest of the Bible. Well, secondly, God in the beginning we read in verse 1, In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. It does not say, of course, Moses does not say that God had a beginning. He says simply, in the beginning, God. Now, just that statement alone would cause us or it could cause us to, to ponder for a long period of time. What, what do you mean? There's no beginning to God. That's absolutely right. He is eternal. He always has been. Before time began, he was there. Before the world was established, he has been there. He always has been. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. The words that I used for the call to worship reflect this as well. Psalm 90, verse 2. Before the mountains were brought forth, or ever you had formed the earth and the world from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. Before anything was made or established, God had been in the beginning. And so God is eternal. He's the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. And so Genesis 1, 1 teaches us about God, who he is. He's the creator. He's not a created being, but he's the one who's made all things, the heavens and the earth. Our catechism also says in question and answer four, what is God? And it gives us the answer, God is a spirit, infinite, eternal, unchangeable in his being, wisdom, power, holiness, justice, goodness, and truth. I think the children's catechism says it this way. He doesn't have a body like men. He's a spirit. God the Father is a spirit. He has no beginning. He's eternal and all-powerful, all-wise, all-good, and all-true, and, of course, much more. Most of all, we could say he's, he's holy. 
He's other than. He's the one who's made all things, and he's other than his creation. He created it out of nothing. And yes, there's one God, but of course we recognize there's three persons, God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. And we'll look at how we see the Spirit in this text and later look at the Son, but he's one God in three persons. But he's a holy God. Now holiness, often we think of he's, he's pure, he's without sin, and indeed he is that. But really, that, that term holy means even more so that he's separate from He's separate from his creation. Uh, he uh, is other than his creation. So we read God was there in the beginning. Moses wants the people of Israel and wants us to see uh, that this God is not like the other gods. The Egyptians worship the sun and the, the moon and the stars and they're created. Moses says this God is the God, the one and the only true God, and he always has been. And he, in fact, he created everything that you see around you. When Paul was in Athens and he sees an altar to the unknown God in Acts 17, he thinks, well, this is an opportunity, an opportunity to share the gospel. Uh, but where does he start? You know, oftentimes we think of starting and sharing the gospel with, well, we need to convince people that they're sinners, or at least they have to recognize their sin and then come to Christ and uh, look to him and, uh, in faith and repentance. And there's, of course, nothing wrong with that. But in a society that's moving further and further away from gospel truths and biblical understanding of who God is and who man is, we have to look back and say, well, what, is, what has happened in the past? Well, Paul gives us a blueprint, I think, for evangelism in our day and age as well. Uh, for in Acts 17, 24 through 25, when he's at this altar of the unknown God in Athens, he says this, he starts out by saying this, The God who made the world and everything in it, being Lord of heaven and earth, does not live in temples made by man. Nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all mankind life, breath, and everything. That's how Paul started out his evangelism in Athens. He's saying, I have to start in the beginning. Who is this God? He's the creator. He is the creator God. And I think we too need to begin often when we talk to people about the faith, begin with who God is. He's holy. He's the creator. John Calvin said this. He said, Our wisdom, insofar as it ought to be deemed true and solid wisdom, consists almost entirely of two parts. He says, here's the two parts. The knowledge of God and of ourselves. Of course, the knowledge of God, he's, he's holy. He's from the beginning. He always has been. And we are simply his creatures. We're, we're made in his own image, but we're creatures. We're of the dust. We're of the earth. In fact, chapter 2 uh, talks about how God formed man, formed Adam out of the dust and breathed into him life. We're really just from the dust. But obviously given value, value dignity, and worth by being created in his image and have the Lord breathe life into us. But we have to start with 
the Creator. Let's start with who God is. He's holy. He's other than. He's majestic. He's beyond compare. There's no one else like Him. In the latest issue of Table Talk, if you're familiar with that uh, devotional that comes from Ligonier Ministry, uh, they had just, I think it was just this weekend, uh, a discussion on the holiness of God. And here's one thing that I found extremely helpful and interesting in relation to our text here this evening. They said this, they said, what is it about God, even God as he comes to us in Christ, that is so overwhelming so defeating, so terrifying. And then they say this, it's the drawing, or excuse me, the dawning awareness that God is God and we are not. It's the realization that he is other. This is what the Bible means when it describes God as holy. It is not first a moral category so much as it is a summary of all the other attributes of God. It is a way to insist that God isn't like us. God isn't like us. He's the creator. Now, we share these common attributes with God, but ultimately say, God, you're, you're God, and I'm simply your servant. I'm your, your creature. Well, how does this apply to us and how does this affect us? Well, it should cause us, first of all, to worship him. He's other than, he's holy. He's the maker of heaven, and earth. We should worship him because of who he is. He is almighty God. He's Lord over all. He's created all. And he can do all of his holy will. And in Christ we see what he's come to do for sinners like you and me. Restore uh, broken sinners, reconciling them to himself, people who come to Christ in faith and repentance. So we worship the one and only God, the creator of the universe, and this should fill us with joy and hope and awe and wonder. But also should bolster our faith for In Psalm 121, verses 1 and 2, the psalmist there says, I lift my eyes to the hills. From where does my help come? My help comes from the Lord. And we could just stop there and say, of course, my help comes from the Lord. But then the the psalmist goes on to say these important words, who made heaven and earth. You see, this God isn't just somebody who's going to help you like a friend. He's creator God, and what has he made? The entire universe. And how has he made it? By speaking it into being. Our help comes from the Lord who made heaven and earth. So we have a great God who's our help. Our creator God who made the heavens and the earth. Well, everything has its origin in God, for God was from the beginning, and God creates all things for his glory. Of course, sin enters the world later, but God creates all things good. And there's nothing in this universe that uh, God did not bring into being. And all things are held by God's sovereign hand. He is the creator. And so we read in verse 1, 
In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. And this Hebrew word, barar, means to create. And it's only used of God. And how did God create? Well, the Bible tells us he created out of nothing. He simply spoke. And there's light. He said uh, uh, to the waters, uh, you know, uh, go from one to the other, uh, from the, the waters below to the waters above, from the sea to the sky. He, he's, he brought into uh, being or to life birds and fish simply by speaking. And I don't know about you, but if you've ever tried to bring something out of nothing simply by speaking, you find that that doesn't work. Uh, you can't speak something into existence. God simply speaks and there's light. He speaks and it happens. Think about when Jesus was at the grave of his friend Lazarus. He tells Lazarus to come forth. He speaks and life comes into Lazarus' dead body and he comes out of the tomb. Our God is creator God. We humans need other objects to build things. We need nails and wood and glue and all sorts of other things to build uh, things with. And we need tools. And yet God just simply speaks and it comes into being. And this word here means exactly that, out of nothing. He creates out of nothing. Everything that is made by God... It was made out of nothing. He didn't reorganize materials. He spoke them into being. One author put it this way. He said, His creation reveals his immeasurable power and might, his bewildering imagination and wisdom, his immortality and transcendence, ultimately living uh, the finite, mortal, or leaving the finite mortal in mystery. And how true that is. You ponder these ideas of Genesis 1 verse 1, that God could create the heavens and the earth simply by speaking, and we could sit for hours and hours and not fully comprehend that effect for almost all eternity. But we can understand this by faith. In fact, Hebrews 11 uh, verse 3 says, By faith we understand that the universe was created by the word of God so that what is seen was not made out of things that are visible. So we believe this by faith. God's made this world out of nothing. And the writer of Hebrews says we, we, we trust this is true. We believe it because he is God. In the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth in other words, Moses is telling us uh, here by the heavens and the earth that he created everything, everything that we see around us, everything God created. Everything then owes its beginning to God. Everything. You and me and uh, the stars and the moon and the waters, the trees, the animals, all are to reflect his glory and give him glory and praise. Well, how does this apply to us? Well, if God has created all things, then don't all things owe him worship? Absolutely. Each and every living being. Of course, man's chief end is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. 
And so our main duty and call in life is to do just that, bring glory to our Creator in our lives. And we also recognize that not only has He created the world, but He sustains the world by His power. He's sovereign over this world. Uh, He deals with us as we are creatures, but in His sovereign power and His wisdom. We'll sing in just a moment, O Worship the King. One of the lines in there that I find helpful in relation to this text is this, Frail children of dust and feeble as frail, in you do we trust nor find you to fail. Your mercies how tender, how firm to the end, our maker, defender, redeemer, and friend. Yes, we're, we're dust, but God is the one who's created us in his image. He's our maker. He's our redeemer. He's our friend. We can go uh, to the Lord with all of our needs and cast them before the creator God who's made the heavens and the earth. And so we have great hope that this creator God is a God who is personal, who is relational, who cared so much for his fallen people, that he would send his one and only son in the world to save them from their sins. This brings us to our our last point, this idea of the creation in the beginning. We read here in verse 2, The earth was without form and void, and darkness was over the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the face of the waters. Now you might say, well, wait a minute, this sounds kind of chaotic. Uh, there's uh, this formlessness and void. There's, there seems to be darkness here. And, of course, there's no sin in the world at this point. So what is the text saying? Well, there's nothing wrong, of course, here at all. But I think what, one of the things that we can get from this second verse is that what it seems to be formless and void, God is actually going to take and make something beautiful out of. He's going to take... Uh, this formless and void and and turn it into something great. And he'll call it not only good, but very good, his creation. So uh, we see here that uh, this idea without form and void means that God is, is going to take what is formless and make it formed. He's going to bring form out of the formlessness and so you can almost see Moses saying, just wait. Something good is coming. Something very good. And so there's order in the world. You see, God doesn't leave the world in a state of formlessness and void, does he? You know, he creates the world with, with order. Uh, he creates the world uh, with form. He creates the world with purpose. And so this world is not purposeless or orderless, but God, the creator, has made it with form and with purpose. And so the Spirit hovers over it and is about to transform it by His creative power. And so we see uh, that in our text, that the Spirit is there hovering over it. And this idea is is like a, a bird that hovers over its young. So the Spirit of God is hovering over the void and the chaos. You see, God is in complete control. God the Father, 
God the Spirit, and even God the Son. You may say, well, where do you get Jesus from this? Well, the very words of Genesis 1-1 are found, of course, in John chapter 1. In the beginning, we read in John's Gospel, 1 verse 1, was the Word. And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. Now, of course, the Word is, is Jesus. And John's echoing back to Genesis 1, 1. He's saying, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word uh, was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. And then in verse 3, he says, And all things were made through him, and without him was nothing uh, made that was made. Not anything was made that was made. Jesus is the creator. God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, all created this world. One God in three persons. In fact, Jesus would later uh, say this about him being eternal in John chapter 17, verse 5. He said, Now, Father, glorify me in your own presence with the glory that I had with you before the world existed. Of course, some people wrongly think Jesus came into being when he came into this world born in Bethlehem. But oh, how untrue that is. Jesus created this world out of nothing. And so when he comes into the world and takes on flesh, it's even more amazing because he's the creator who'd come to die for sinners like you and me. Well, he created this world for his own glory. He created this world that as God did for his own glory. And so all things are from God and through God, and all things owe him worship. You see, in the beginning we see here this world is formed by God, the creator of it, out of nothing. But maybe you feel sometimes like this world is spinning out of control. Maybe you wonder, where is God in all of this? And we go back to the first verse of Genesis. We say, well, in the beginning is God, and he created this world, and he's brought order to it. And yes, sin has affected the order greatly, but he's still in control. Sin seems to unravel the creation. God creates it good and sin makes it bad. But the good news is, is that God did not create the world and leave it on its own to work out its own plan. No, rather, from all eternity, God knew what was going to happen to the creation and to his people. He knew sin would come in the world, and yet, as part of his sovereign plan, it demonstrated his love. He says, I'm going to send my one and only son into the world to save the world. And so God's plan from all eternity is to save his people through his son, the Lord Jesus, who was from the beginning. You see, God is taking the formless and making something out of them. He's taking what was void and lost and making something new through Christ. So the question for us in the world that we live in today is, do we believe that God is who he says he is? Do we believe he is holy, that he is from the beginning, that he created all things by the word of his power, that he can do all of his holy will? As Paul reflects on Christ, he says this in 
Colossians 1, 15 through 20. He says of Jesus, he is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things were created through him and for him. And he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. He is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, in that everything he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross." But take these words to heart, that in Christ, in him, all things hold together. In Christ, all things hold together. As much confusion as there is today, as much turmoil as there is today, we can still claim this truth. In Jesus, all things hold together. God reigns. God rules. God is over all his creation. God is working out his sovereign will. He's from the beginning. And in him, all things hold together. I lift my eyes up to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord, the maker of heaven and earth. Would you pray with me? Father, we do come to you as you are, holy and triune God, the maker of heaven and earth. We thank you that in your Son and in yourself, in the Spirit, that all things hold together in you. That you have created all things for your glory and that you are in control. We pray that we would look to you and find our help, and find our hope in you and in you alone. We pray these things in the name of Jesus, our Lord and Savior. Amen.